Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. I'm your host, Julia Washington, and on today's show, my friend Kelly is here, and we are discussing the flashy girl from Flushing. The Nanny debuted on November 3rd, 1993 and starred Fran Drescher, Charles Shaughnessy, and so many other awesome folks. This brought delightful shenanigans into living rooms every week for six seasons. But before we dive in, let me introduce you to my guest. Kelly is a self-taught graphic and web designer and digital artist. She enjoys channeling her love of houseplants, humor, feminist pop culture, and retro design styles into her art. When not making art, Kelly can be found adequately mothering her two daughters, taking walks while listening to podcasts, or wondering if that weird neck pain is because of how she slept last night, or just because she's in her 30s now. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Kelly. (laughs) It is because I'm in my 30s now. It's not how I sleep. (laughs) oh man isn't that the truth I've sort of inherited I've started doing like this old lady shuffle when I get up in the morning (laughs) you're like kind of like crouched for like you have to like lean into the day Uh uh uh-huh I'm just like this is not good this is why I'm gonna die alone I'm gonna have like a date one time in the future and he's gonna be like that's how you get out of bed bye (laughs) no you, you get friends at home. Kelly is the one who also designed our website. So when she says that she is a web designer, she is not just saying that she actually is. Cause you know, people are like, Oh, I design websites. And you're like, but do you though? I have done one. Yay. <laughs> more than one, more yes. than one, more than one. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm excited you're here. We're friends in real life. So it's always fun when a friend in real life comes on. Okay. So let's do a quick recap because honestly, it's been such a long time since the show's been on the air and friends, this is a direct quote from IMDB. So here we go. After being fired from her job and dumped by her boyfriend, a cosmetic saleswoman becomes the nanny to three children of a rich English widower. As time passes, the two fall for each other. I just feel like that's not enough of a description. I probably should have done better, but life's hard. I think it's great. Thank you. Good job, IMDb. In a 1993 LA Times review, writer Howard Rosenberg had this to say, in the high-toned atmosphere, Fran is the unrefined outsider whose schlep is showing. Somehow, though, everything works out impervious to the sarcasm of the Sheffield snooty butler and Maxwell's snotty associate, Fran reshapes the household and becomes surrogate mother to mousy Maggie, monstrous Brighton, and precocious Grace. To the new nanny being in these swell surroundings is like living at Caesar's palace, end quote. I actually even think she says that. That's a direct quote from the pilot, I think. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with an easy one where we always begin. (laughs) Why do you love this show? Okay. I mean, it's outrageous. I love outrageousness. I do. I live for it. I'm, I don't know. I'm not outrageous. I don't, I don't think of myself as outrageous, but I'm one of those people who wishes she could be outrageous. Oh, okay. You're kind of wish that you could be like a Fran. Yeah. I like to live vicariously. Like 
I tend to be, I'm less quiet now, but I've always, I was always kind of like the quiet kid in school, but all my friends were loud mouths. Mm. And I don't think that that was a coincidence. It was like, I want to be like this person, <laughs> hitch my wagon with this loud mouth. And I love them. I, and, and she was loud and brash and brazen and, you know, all these things that I kind of aspired to be. <laughs> And I mean, and everything like her, her fashion and her big hair. Oh, the hair. So good. She didn't do anything. Yes. And you know how like over a a series that's multiple seasons, like the first season, everyone kind of looks a little rough because they don't have a lot of money. So you're like, this is clearly low budget Mm -hmm. with Fran. She, they never deviated away from her original look in season one. No, no, they, I mean spot on like I have a feeling like she she created the show and so Mm -hmm. I think that she had a must have had a very clear picture in her head and was like nope this is what we're doing this is this is what I want her to be and she stuck to it yeah (laughs) and we had a moment where we were talking about the theme song but I feel like it's worth talking about because you know how you know how you can skip the intro for some shows Uh uh-huh I won't do it for the nanny because the song is so great I love it I sing along I I don't sing along with most theme songs I especially don't sing along with the theme songs when there's someone around me I will sing along with that theme song yes I don't care who's around me it's just you can't if you hear it you have to it's so good it's very catchy and super memorable like you hear it you know immediately which I love I saw a tweet and it was something like Eminem could never. <laughs> so what was it? Ta- oh God, what line? They were just like the rhyming, the rhyming. How do you rhyme this word and that word? And I was like, you know yeah. what? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause the one that I love that I'm always like, yes, let's sing it is I forget what the line is before, but then like, while everybody else is wearing tan. Yes. I was like, oh my God this is genius because they really do put the rest of the cast in very dull, boring colors. Yes. The lady in red. She's a lady, the in, lady red. in red. Everybody else is wearing tan. That's it. That's it. It's like, this is so good. And it sets the tone really well for the show. I think. Yes. Well, and I think that's another reason why it appeals to me is, is it, it's definitely like a fish out of water mm-hmm. type story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at the time I was watching it, I was probably watching it mostly in reruns and I was end of high school freshly into college where like you feel like a fish out of water no matter what you don't belong you're like you're not quite an adult you're not quite a kid and you just I mean the the I'm going into a whole new world very very appealed to me yeah there's definitely that aspect of like I don't belong anywhere Mm -hmm. oh here's someone who doesn't belong anywhere and I think she's awesome and she she kind of doesn't care she's like you guys are stuffy let's fix that Yes. God, the, the pilot, I think, is when she like shows up at the party. She's like, we'll just do it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just show up to the party. What's he going to do? Yeah. And yeah. Because they want, they don't have the kids. The kids are like, we never go to the parties. And she's like, why wouldn't you go to the parties? That's dumb. Yeah. It's your dad's party. Yeah. It was, it was and oh, so she makes a really good point. People ha- shell out more money when there's kids around because they're cute. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's very smart. Very smart indeed. And I just, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but the comedy definitely holds up, which I love. 
because yes. I it's on HBO Max right now. So I was like, I'm gonna refresh my memory with some of these episodes. Because <laughs> like you, I watched it in reruns all the time too. Um, I don't think I caught any of it live. Maybe the later seasons because that was the end of high school for me. Nope, yeah. that wasn't the end of high school in 1999. That's wrong. That was the beginning of high school. <laughs> And well, here I am lying about my age. Really, I'm like 47 trying to pass myself off as a 38-year-old. Don't you want to age this well, guys? <laughs> hey, very on brand. We're talking about Fran Fine, who was 29 for like five seasons. Yes. I so. forgot how good the pilot was. It was like, it was flawless. Like, they didn't miss a note. Nope. Everything was like, mm-mm-mm. Yes, they came out strong and the only major changes was the set. And that's, that's pretty common because pilots are usually shot months before, um, anything gets picked up. So, you know, you obviously you're going to make changes, but the continuity between the pilot and episode two was so good and so clear because I had this theory that the only good first pilot I can recall is the Huxtables because it's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, same with, you know, they had a couple of changes that went, the, the show went through before getting to the second episode, but the writing was so on point, like so hilarious. Everyone remembers the scene between Cliff and Theo, you know, about the monopoly money and the real world and all that stuff. But this nanny pilot episode, I was like, oh shit. I, no, no, no. You fired me. You fired me so I can collect unemployment. Like that line was genius. Yes. And the delivery well, and they too, like there's callbacks. Uh-huh. And, hmm. Yes. The writing was wonderful. Yeah. If you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman, a woman identifying a woman in a male dominated industry and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes, but you still love pop culture, then pop culture makes me jealous. Best friends club on Patreon is just for you. Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a hyphen member. See you there. We have merch. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to purchase today. Some hoodies and t-shirts are the pop culture staples, but you don't want to miss out on our seasonal collections, whether it's specific to the show or a season. Catch those limited edition styles before they're gone. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to shop and use promo code SHOPPOD to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-H-O-P-P-O-D. Be sure to tag us on social wearing your swag. We're looking for advertising partners. When you support the podcast, you're supporting a woman-owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. Email popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com to get started.
One of the quickest and easiest ways to support our show is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sharing with other users why you love this show and reasons to tune in is a simple kindness that will forever go appreciated by team pop culture. It makes me jealous. I'm going to be honest, writing a review is the strongest move because when you write a review, it helps that pesky algorithm tell Apple this show is loved. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for all your support, friend. Do you love to read? Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous hosts a monthly book club that reads books that have been adapted for the screen. We meet on the fourth Sunday of every month via Zoom. The book club is open to anyone, but Patreon pals can vote on our monthly read and have access to our replay. To sign up, hit the link in the show notes. The tension between Maxwell and Fran is clear from the beginning, but Maxwell was super cute. So, and now as a grown ass woman, I'm just like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, intentional writing or not, the two are intrigued by each other, but there's this third cog in the wheel, Cece Babcock. She's an associate of Maxwell's. She, she too is wealthy and lives in a world where it makes absolute perfect sense for someone like her and someone like Maxwell to be a romantic pair and someone like Fran to remain in Queens, even if she's the nanny. The differences between Fran and Cece couldn't be more glaring or intentional. Cece is uptight, frigid, rude, a snob. Fran is loving, practical where the kids are concerned and isn't easily blown away by prestige. She's grounded in a way that Cece is not. That's not to say Cece doesn't have her own version of grounding either. She understands Maxwell's world and can navigate it. But Fran is here to shake up the status quo. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this show. But wealthy women in television is a very specific trope that Cece fits into perfectly. So I really want to dive into the contrast of Cece and Fran. So what did you think of Cece way back when, when you first encountered the show? Oh man, she sucked. <laughs> that was how I felt. I was like, why does she have to be there? Why does she have to ruin all the plans? Why yeah. Does she have to be so mean. Yeah. But I also really loved the like contention between her and Niles the butler like oh my god it was the best I lived for that every episode and I was like this is why she needs to be here uh Mm -hmm. obviously like for these for this side story and I she drove me crazy and I thought she was a big jerk but I also was like okay she needs to be there because story writing I guess yeah the sparring that she and Niles goes through is epic it's so good I and mean they, just the digs they both and they both like equal footing that yeah was, always was like yes yeah and they never missed the beat and mm. there's a few episodes I forgot about this where the scene is so funny that some of the characters break yeah. and I <laughs> love that because it's like I love that you, whoever just directed that episode decided to leave it in there for the whole world yeah. to enjoy. Yes. I mean, they looked, I mean, and that's the thing is like, it did look like a fun show to film all the way throughout, but like, especially those scenes where like, cause as you're watching it, you can't help but just like fall to pieces yeah. with laughter. And like, of course the people that you're watching have to find this funny or even the characters at some point have to find like this ridiculousness funny yeah 
I can't even imagine. I did. I would, I would like you. I thought Cece was the worst. I thought, oh my God, I can't with this person. She sucks. She's no fun. She is, she takes herself way too seriously. And she's just very like polished in a way that I would be scared. I'd accidentally spill something on her and then she'd lose it on me. And that's terrifying. Now that we're grown. (laughs) are your opinions of her a little different? Oh, they're a ton different. I, I maybe love the character of Cece as much as I love the character of Fran. Tell me why. Because they are both like, they're both two sides of the same coin, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like they were equally matched. They both knew what they wanted and weren't afraid of getting what they wanted or, you know, doing what they needed to do to get what they wanted. I mean, she was like, if you look at her, like looking at her now owning a business, mm-hmm. looking at her as a businesswoman, I'm like, yeah, I want to be her. Mm-hmm. She is like, she's ruthless, but in a way that like, I mean, in a way that's cruel, like I wouldn't necessarily want to actually be her. Cause there are some times in some scenes where they're like, mm, <laughs> you're a little too mean, yeah. but also like, she's not afraid to like, do business and you know make those deals and you know and and she she kind of has to be ruthless because especially in the 90s she's in a male-dominated industry you know she's working for someone rather than being like a full partner in the company um Mm -hmm. and just battling sort of those patriarchal bullshit situations of being probably the only woman in the room who's an executive and not you know the person taking the notes like yeah. There's yes. a Yeah, well, and trying to be at, at at the same time, she's not just trying to be a high-powered businesswoman, mm-hmm. go get her. She's also trying sometimes failing, I mean, in the show failing. Mm-hmm. In like looking at her not failing, trying to be attractive mm-hmm. to a specific person and failing repeatedly. Like, looking at her now I'm like, man, she was actually a really good-looking lady. But at the time watching it, it was like, she, she's played for laughs and she's, you know, with Niles' jokes and stuff, like mm-hmm. talking about, oh, she's a dog. And it's like, look now, I'm like, um, no, she's not. She yeah. looks great. Yeah. But like the character just trying and failing and trying and failing, but also being a successful person. Yeah. It's, a, it's such a, she's such a good character to watch. And also the, the perfect character for Fran. Yeah. And she's a great it's more than just a contrast too, right? Because she's like you say, she and Fran have a lot in common. Um, the actress, what is her real name? Lauren Lane. Okay. She left Hollywood after doing the name. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because she was a classic classically trained. I didn't put any of the quotes in the article, so I need to maybe, I don't know, but she had a very like good, uh, training experience in acting. And then she put in the article that she had private, privately, she had faced her own obstacles is how they wrote, worded it in the vice article. Um, and then when the nanny ended quote, after the nanny ended, she felt effectively forced out of Hollywood and chose to reinvent a life for herself completely separate from her sitcom past. Wow. And I thought that was interesting because she talks about in this article, ageism, sexism sizeism um that she was on a season or two so yeah and I don't think she slimmed down right away after she had the baby 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, I think I, they do pick on her weight, do, right? Like they pick on her weight? I think so, but I think they picked on it before. Like, I think it was one of it was those like, like the whole thing. Yeah, it was just yeah. like, we're going to just make it part of her character unless I'm remembering wrong. But like, weight was the thing with the mom too. So I could be remembering that. Yeah. Weight is just a thing that women are put through on everything. Like, I can't name a show in the, you know, that doesn't have some sort of subtle fat phobic. Oh, yeah. No, all, all of them. They, you can't, you can't find one. You yeah. can't. That is a challenge to our friends at home to send in some shows so we can watch them. <laughs> I want that because it's bullshit because it's bullshit to go for somebody's weight because you don't know if they have a health problem. You don't know, you know, what kind of stressors like were they, there's all these different things that contribute to weight that aren't just you eat like shit. Right. Yeah. Most of the time it's not that it's <laughs> most of the time it's something else. Yeah. In this article, she was said she says, Quote, I was living in this world of like, I'm a classically trained theater actress and the nanny's a great job. I'm happy. I'm grateful, but it's not what I'm going to end up doing and not what I'm good at. She said now at my age, I'm like, you're so silly. You were so blind. I wish I'd been smarter about it. Cause you know, like I mentioned earlier, she did leave Hollywood. Um, later in this article, she talks about how she kind of becomes regular, like her type of actress is evil vixen yeah I can see that mm -hmm. so in a way I guess she kind of fits into the she's this stepping stone of being CC because she's a heavy reader she's classically trained in theater like those are all you know her Mm -hmm. character CC might not be classically trained in theater but there's a level of like grace that goes into that actress Mm -hmm. CC would have been classically trained for sure yep and so Oh, she even says she found it fitting. She was the closest to Daniel Davis, who plays Niles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there is, she said that they were friends even well before the series began, which I think is really cute. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. I yeah. did find out he's Southern. He's not even British. What? Yes. Yes. I have not been able to find any, like he has a straight Southern accent, but you wouldn't know it no yeah and bad accents are like nails on a chalkboard for me yes whenever we watch british tv and they have a somebody playing an american like you just should have found a fucking american like this is insane with british whenever like there's tv in in america and they're like we need a british person there's plenty of british actors here there's no shortage or american actors yeah i don't yeah Mm -mm. yeah no he's he's straight southern twangy and oh he played a British butler. And you can't even hear oh the difference between him and, and what's his face? Oh. Charles. Is that his first name? Charles. Yeah. Yeah. Who really is British because then <laughs> fast forward all these years and he shows up on Mad Men. And that was the first time I had seen him acting oh, really? since the nanny. Yeah. And I was like, Maxwell Sheffield, what are you doing on Mad Men? <laughs> right confession i did not watch mad men that's okay um it actually irritates the show really actually bothers me a lot but i can't i tried i watched the first couple of episodes i was like you know what i can't do it it's already making me angry yeah the whole every season every season it's like can i throw but i can't turn away and i don't know why i I don't know why oh maybe because i want to be super rich just to have like one great idea a month (laughs) and get paid a shit ton of money for it 
<laughs> like that's really? the dream job. Yes. As a creative, you understand. You were nodding yes. Totally. Us creatives are like, we're brilliant. Pay us our worth. Stop trying to pay me $10 an hour to work 47 million hours for some tiny little thing you need. Yes. Creativity <laughs> is important and nobody seems to get that. I do kind of feel like the way that we portray because she's so like, she becomes like mushy and sort of defrosts in a way that is so the polar opposite of her frigidness when Maxwell's around that it's like, she can be one side of the spectrum and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's a very tricky character in that, Mm -hmm. in that way. Mm -hmm. But like from a storytelling perspective, like she's perfect. She like with, like, if you have this, you know, uncouth wrong side of the tracks, fish out of water type person who's just bubbly and, and wants to kind of wants to belong or, or it's not even that she wants to belong. She just like feels that she belongs there. Right. She's just like, well, why not? Like kind of like with the kids, like, why wouldn't I go to the party? Like I, I'm going to live here. If you guys live here and the party's here, like, why wouldn't we all go and just, just like that, not having that concept almost of, or at least not acknowledging that concept of not belong. Like, of course I belong. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. And then you have Cece who like, she's the perfect foil. She's everything that Fran is not. Mm -hmm. And Fran is everything that she is not. And just like it, it sets you up. It's like an, it's like an easy, like, give me for the writers. Right. Like you can just keep cranking it, which they did. We got all kinds of conflicts that we can write. Here's this episode. This episode. This episode. Yeah. Like it's per- like the the characters. Like and that was the other thing is there there weren't a lot of like cast change. There I don't think there were any cast changes. I don't think so. I think uh huh. And like that speaks a lot to like their planning of like the characters when they set it up too. Just like yeah. And to the, the behind the scenes stuff as well. Right. Like we hear a lot on sitcoms or TV shows that people don't get along or what have you. And while, you know, there are sitcoms that don't experience cash changes, you can tell when they're working together on screen, like you can just tell that everyone really enjoyed working on that show. At least the adults. I don't know about the kids. I always get really excited when I saw the kids grown on something else. I was just like, oh my God, look at you. Yes. You're so grown. <laughs> so cute. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that that they needed each other and they needed to be that extreme in order for it to work. I don't think it, it would work any other way in that way. Um, so it makes it also all the more wonderful when they do have really good bonding moments and when they do show up for each other yes because you're like see even people who don't get along can fucking rally and like yes yeah there and there were a few and like they it was almost like they broke the fourth wall when they would do stuff like that and Mm -hmm. be like yeah and there was there was one episode toward this towards the end where it's like they have like Fran and Maxwell have like come out and said like we're in a relationship da, 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 and Cece's going losing it <laughs> completely losing it or she's completely lost it and she's come back from losing it yeah and he's 
he's done something to piss off Fran and she's mad and she's, I'm leaving. And, da, 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 and she talks to him. She, you don't leave. You live here and you have every right to be here. And you tell him what, da, 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 da. and she's like, you get back in there champ kind of, kind of pep talk. Yeah. And then I think like Niles says something to her and he's like, you just tried to save their relationship. She's like, yeah, I know. You know, just like, I can't believe it either, but here I am, you know, yeah. very like a wink and a nod to the audience. And I yeah. love that. Yeah. And, or um, what other what other episode earlier in the show where they get locked in the basement together? That was a good mm. episode. Mm-hmm. Force them to be together. She like does Cece's hair to look like her mother's hair. Yeah. <laughs> that part I was dying. I love that part. But you know, just very just like girl talking. Like you're stuck together. Yeah. You got something in common. Keep talking. You know. Yeah. That was always that was always fun. Oh my gosh, we could do a whole episode two on Fran's mom. Oh God, we don't have that kind of time today, but, (laughs) but again, talking about like the whole, like, you know, eating, uh, eating, eating too much and eating, Mm -hmm. she was, I loved that about her. Like they did make too many fat jokes at her expense, I think, which I didn't like, but she was always a character who was just like, yeah, I'm going to eat a lot. Yeah. Who, who doesn't like, she was just very much like, this is who I am. Yeah. I enjoy eating. I'm going to do what I enjoy. And yes. You know what? I respect it. I probably was influenced by that a little bit. <laughs> I was never like a closet eater or anything. I was just like, nope, I'm going to eat four pieces of pizza. Thank you very much. Yeah. Same. You know how like we're always told don't eat a burger on a first date, order a salad. Fuck that shit. Oh no. You are going to pay for what I want because that is what I want on the menu. And I'm not going to, I do have a weird thing about getting my hands dirty when I eat, if I'm like, yeah. like but I also have a weird dirty thing about, food. <laughs> yeah, I have this thing about just my hands being dirty in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fine. I have mental health. It's fine. <laughs> Fran Drescher has said her favorite episode is the pilot, but in an interview with the today show, she mentioned that the episode that everyone mentions to her is season three, episode 18 Val's boyfriend. Val has a boyfriend. Fran's feeling a little left out because Fran, Val is spending all this time with his boyfriend. Fran and C- Fran and Cece go out for sushi, and Fran has never had sushi, nor does she know what wasabi is before. She takes a bite of wasabi, and well, if you haven't seen this episode, but you've consumed wasabi, you can imagine the rest. Lucille Ball is credited often for being a master of physical comedy. Carol Burnett comes quickly to mind as well. But I think Fran Drescher is often overlooked, like most women are when it comes to comedy for her comedic contributions. So I want to talk about the physicality and the comedic elements of not just the scene, but the show, because what's brilliant. And I watched it today to refresh my memory because it's like, I remember this episode because the wasabi bit is like. I'd be curious who did the wasabi bit first. Cause it's in so it, you see it so much. Yeah. It like happens so much now, but she, Cece's like, it's like mustard. So Fran's like, I love mustard. And then takes this huge bite. Totally has this physical reaction, facial versus like she's and Cece's just chatting away with her problems and whatever. And Fran is having this full moment that Cece is completely unaware of. And then eventually falls off her stool. Friends, when she pops back up, because Fran Drescher's voice does not sound like that in real life. 
That is not her normal voice. She pops up and she has her normal voice. And Cece's like, oh my God, who's this hottie? And then she transitions so seamlessly because the joke is like, oh my God, it clears your sinuses. The line, yeah, I couldn't remember. And then she's like, I wonder how long it will last. And you're just like (laughs) dying because she seamlessly goes back into that nasal high pitched voice that we know. And you're just like, holy shit, this was so good. So good. That scene, no, I can definitely believe that she gets comments on that scene all the time because it is a great scene and not just like the physicality because she fully like throws herself back and forth I can picture this scene in my head like yeah. throws herself back and forth you know falls off the stool and like her arm reaching up onto the bar to like <laughs> pull herself back up like she looks like she's in physical pain and the, but the the facial expressions too like she's very like you said Lucille Ball like she's very Lucille Ball-esque mm-hmm. in a lot of I think I even did an episode where she like like pretended like imagined herself as Lucille Ball and full look Lucille Ball look and like her facial expressions with the wide eyes and yeah. the mouth like she could give Lucille Ball a run for her money like she she could do it she yeah. and a lot of her scenes were very physical and like exaggerated and big mm-hmm. and, and it made it all the funnier like yeah it really running did. away from him all the time <laughs> in heels in heels it really did. And, you know, a lot of people don't give credit to the show where the credit is due. And I think it's because female lead high pitched voice, you know, women are already battling the stereotype of being shrill. So here, if you spend any time watching again, start with the pilot because it's 100% worth it. Oh, it's yes. You just really aren't disappointed because the lines, the comedy and the way that everybody on the show delivers their lines mm-hmm. is so well executed, but yeah, the physical elements of it, you're just, you forget. And women often aren't credited for being physical in comedy. That's a dude thing. Yes. Yeah. Which is so dumb. It, yeah. Well, like, I mean, women have physical bodies. We can do physical things. It's, mm-hmm. it's a whole, it's a whole thing we can do. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes funnier because we can do, we're like, we're forced into having to be physically active to stay trim and fit. So there's things we can do with our bodies that are just funnier. Yes, absolutely. Well, and also like a lot of comedy is the unexpected, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you get surprised, you laugh a lot harder. Like if you, or if you watched a show, I was talking with my daughters the other day and we were watching Bluey and we've watched all the episodes of Bluey a billion times and there was one it was like my favorite and it was the first one that I sat down and watched and I remember crying crying laughing at this episode yeah and then we were watching it the other night and she was like I want to watch the show and I want to watch that episode and I put it on she's like I like it but it's it's not as funny as the first time and I was like yeah that's the thing like yeah. when you rewatch things they're still good but they might not get you right where it where they got you before because mm-hmm. you're not su- it was the surprise when it takes you by surprise it's a lot funnier yeah yeah <laughs> and and I think that's you know that's part of it but that's an advantage I think that women can have doing physical comedy because no one expects it right so then you have I mean that's why this is this this uh wasabi bit is so funny no one expected her to eat a whole 
mouthful of wasabi and fall off the dang chair. It was going to be a normal episode. It was going to be a normal conversation. They were going to have their little na 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 and then in scene. Yeah. And you didn't get that. And and to set it up with comparing the wasabi to mustard. I was like, Cece did that on purpose. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Oh, 100%. first of all, I don't think that wasabi and mustard are anything alike. So. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Like they're no. Yeah. No, no. You don't use them the same. I was trying to think of anything common between them and like I can't yeah no they're definitely not used for the same reason and and I was probably like I don't know 35 before I even liked mustard so if that were me in the situation I would be like well then I'm not eating it and then there goes your scene Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) we don't get anything we get nothing you get no rebooting and reimagining is very popular these days but the thing we often forget about is that every idea is already recycled and repackaged since Shakespeare. So here's my question. How do you think this show would be different if it were produced today? Huh? I mean, I, first of all, can't imagine recasting anyone. Yeah. I can, I cannot. Cause is there even another Fran Drescher type person? You know what I mean? Oh, Cause no. Cause you know, in Hollywood, they do the whole, get me Don Cheadle or get me someone who's Don Cheadle, get me someone like Don Cheadle, get me Don Cheadle, get me a young Don Cheadle. Like that's the progression of your career in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. I can't think, I can't think of who would replace Fran Drescher. I just, I don't know. It would have to be. She's what's iconic. What's it, she is? Who is that? I can't remember her name. Is it Natasha Leone? The- oh my god, I love Natasha no. Leone from Russian Doll. Mm-hmm. Like a gritty reboot of the nanny with yes. her. I would love to see it. Oh my god, because you know what? That's a good choice because Natasha Leone does have a unique voice. Yes, yeah, she does. It's not Fran Drescher's voice, but it is unique. It is, and and I I don't I mean I don't know if. She, I watched her on SNL the other night. Oh my God. That was a great episode. It was great. And like, I think she can, I mean, she obviously she can do comedy, the, the physicality. I don't know. She does great facial expressions. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a gritty reboot of the nanny with her. I can't think of anybody else who, who would also be in that cast. It's like, who would be the British hottie in modern era? Cause if you think about it, they're technically probably our age, right? Like yeah. Mr. Sheffield and Fran and Cece were probably late thirties because we've learned that Hollywood doesn't actually want you to be 40, but they will make you no. look like you're 45, even if you're playing a 38 year old character. Yes. What if he's not British? What? Oh my God. What if he's still like from another country, but not Britain? I like that. Yeah. Decolonize it. That's absolutely. Yeah. Who, what what country though? I don't know. That's as far as my brain can go. You know that's, what? I, I can't. I'm not good at thinking on the fly. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I like oh. the idea of maybe doing like upper crust India, or like maybe oh. like upper crust Kenya or something like that. That could be fun. That would be interesting. No, but I, I you know, but you know what? We're all hot for British accents anyway. Oh. Here's how we solve this problem. We have, we have the son 
of Nigerian immigrants raised in England playing the new Mr. Sheffield? Yes. Idris Elba. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I want to watch this show. Yeah. And then, but I can't see him and Natasha Leone falling in love though. But, but, and then, and then the kids could be mixed just Hmm. right. Don't care what mix mom could have been Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. Can we bring back what's his name to still be Niles though? <laughs> With his southern, <laughs> his southern British accent that is somehow flawless. Oh, good. You know what's interesting though? How southern accents sort of get deemed always to be like a less intelligent human. Yeah. Then that always bothered me too, because some of the people I loved the most in childhood had a bit of a southern twist to them because that's where some of my family's from. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make sense to me that we sort of, there's that spectrum, right? The high faluting British accent, we deem it to be the most sophisticated. And there's definitely an element where I'm just like, I texted my friend Nikki. I was like, I think I might be in a state where I just like, if the world were to send me a black man with a British accent, I think I would die. (laughs) And just to hear him say he loves me every day. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But it kind of falls into that whole like how that hierarchy that's total bullshit because just because you know the posh British accent doesn't mean that you're um any better than someone who is from like rural North Carolina yeah absolutely 100% agree and well and then like that's like that's another trope like the wealthy Mm -hmm. woman kind of kind of trope is like if you want your character to be smart if you have a scientist or if you have you know uh professor they typically will you know a lot not typically but a lot of times they'll let's throw a british accent on there and make them sound smart them up yeah so oh my god daniel craig doing a southern accent did you see knives out when it came out (laughs) i was like i can still always like british people doing southern accents it's i can always hear it like even if i'm like it's like this sounds bad when there's like when when you go to your go in your house and something smells off you know something smells off even if you don't know what it is yeah yeah <laughs> like that not to disparage either accent but it's just like this doesn't sound on for some yeah, reason yeah what it is yeah but I do love that they brought an intelligent character in 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 a space where he is southern because we don't see that a lot yeah that is that is a good point yes in regards to cc though i mean i think that there's still probably a lot to choose from who could play cc because they again they still do that trope of like frigid bitch uptight if she just had a man she'd be because doesn't she chill out a little bit after she and niles hook up yes a little bit yeah (laughs) it's terrible but i'm gonna say it I don't think mm-hmm. it would actually be a good choice, but if we're doing a gritty reboot, what's her name from Gone Girl? <laughs> oh my God. What is Wait. her name? The, like the short, she's got the same hair, the short blonde hair. Hold on. You know who I'm talking about, right? I don't know. I don't. Yes. So, so I'm going to look her up on IMDb. Cause I'm like, what is her name? You're thinking Rosamund <laughs> Pike? Yeah. <laughs> that is. 
I am. Like I said, it's not a good choice. Yeah. It's the first one that pops in my head. If we're doing like a gritty, she'd be, she'd be a gritty Cece Babcock. I love the idea though of like Cece being British and then Maxwell being not British. Yeah. Does that add to the trope? It does. I like it. I have not seen Gone Girl. I only like incessantly watch the trailer multiple times because I can't. I mean, I don't remember most of it. I watched it like eight years ago when it came out. And so I don't remember a whole lot of details. I literally remember like her look and her look is very mm -hmm. 2010s CC. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like Rosamund Pike, I think, is another one that sort of gets cast into frigid roles too, Mm -hmm. which isn't fair. If you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman, a woman identifying, a woman in a male-dominated industry, and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes, but you still love pop culture, then Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous Best Friends Club on Patreon is just for you. Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a hyphen member. See you there. We have merch. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to purchase today. Some hoodies and t-shirts are the pop culture staples, but you don't want to miss out on our seasonal collections, whether it's specific to the show or a season. Catch those limited edition styles before they're gone. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to shop and use promo code SHOPPOD to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-H-O-P-P-O-D. Be sure to tag us on social wearing your swag. We're looking for advertising partners. When you support the podcast, you're supporting a woman-owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. Email popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com to get started. One of the quickest and easiest ways to support our show is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sharing with other users why you love this show and reasons to tune in is a simple kindness that will forever go appreciated by Team Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. I'm going to be honest, writing a review is the strongest move because when you write a review, it helps that pesky algorithm tell Apple this show is loved. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for all your support, friend. Do you love to read? Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous hosts a monthly book club that reads books that have been adapted for the screen. We meet on the fourth Sunday of every month via Zoom. The book club is open to anyone, but Patreon pals can vote on our monthly read and have access to our replay. To sign up, hit the link in the show notes. Who is your favorite character on the show? Mm, 
It's a toss up between Fran, obviously. Obviously. And I kind of loved Gracie. Oh, yeah. She was adorable. She had great comedic timing. Mm-hmm. She, like, her neurotic little self was awesome. And they really did a good job setting that up with season one. Like they did not hold back. Like the pilot is so good as the foundation of the show. Yes. You you really know know what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, so good. Well, Um, and then just throughout the, you know, as she like, and they showed like a progression, like she grows up, she gets better. She, you know, she works through her, all of her stuff. (laughs) poor kid she had so much going on (laughs) she really did um I always felt bad too because I was like she played one of the step sisters in a Cinderella story with um oh yeah Hilary Duff for the amount of times I've seen that movie that took way too long for me to remember (laughs) and I was just like please don't let this be what your career amounts to (laughs) it's not but it I had I was fearful for her for a while like oh yeah I think my favorite episode with the two of of them of with Fran and Gracie interacting was when Fran killed her imaginary best friend oh my god she had a little like it was like uh-huh. her imaginary friend was this big and she sit in a teacup and, da, 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 and then Fran sat on her yeah <laughs> and that whole episode was just I mean and talking about like the physicality and like this little girl just like completely just like going for it yeah it's so good so well acted like she's She's good. I agree. And what else is nice is I don't recall her being in any weird, like clearly they took care of the children because I don't think any of the children that I'm aware of had any major issues, which Uh a lot of childhood actors can because the pressure of the fame and the money and, you know, you don't have, you don't live in reality because no one, everyone's trying to please your every need. And I don't think she had that I can't issue recall seeing anything with any of them no well and that was the thing too is I think the character of Fran mm-hmm. and Fran Drescher I think both it showed like she seemed to genuinely be caring mm-hmm. about the kids like that was another thing that I liked about the show like yes the show was about the two of them and their relationship but like the kids it, usually in shows like kids kind of get like tossed aside the character has a baby and then you mm-hmm. never see it again and they were very much a part of the show mm-hmm. and it was very much part of, of Fran's character that like, I mean, she'd make jokes about like, who's supposed to be watching the kids? Oh yeah, it's me. You know? Yeah. But she also like was always fully committed to like their well being. Mm-hmm. That was something, especially now watching the show, like then it was like, yes, like as like a young adult, it'd be cool to have her as my nanny and, and be my like mentor, you know, as like, like the Maggie character and looking back now, I'm like, that's how I want to treat my kids. Like she like talked to them realistically. She, mm-hmm. you know, used sarcasm with them. Like, but it was also like, oh, she like cares about these kids. And yeah. like, that was always a good thing to see. Yeah. Both perspectives. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And your point too, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, because it, someone could say, well, the show is called the nanny. You have to have the kids. And it's like, no, you don't because <laughs> just because her job is to be a nanny doesn't mean that Hollywood's going to write it to where we actually see her and see the kids as often as we see the kids. Right. I mean, I can definitely see it being continuing on with that name. 
and yet becoming a completely different show. Mm-hmm. Just like oh, ditch the kids. Yeah, it's like with um, Bridgerton, and everyone's all like Lady Whistledown and all this stuff. And but in the books, Lady Whistledown is revealed in book four, and then every book after that, you don't have Lady Whistledown, and it just you don't it's the stories don't hit the same because you don't have the gossip coming in like you did yeah um once it's revealed and that's kind of kind of takes you out of it yeah so you, hmm. you there's elements that you need for it to work and the kids you need them for it to work yeah yes well and it reveals a side of her character that you don't see otherwise like she's mm-hmm. very like the, the brashness and stuff that gets toned down when she's with the kids like she yeah. like it softens her like it's I mean I hate I hate like the, like oh like the kids soften her up and that's not necessarily what I'm trying to to say but it's just she's like, speaking to their level yeah and it almost makes her a little more like it, it cuts through her um def- like as much defenses as she might have because mm-hmm. she does have defenses but like she's a little bit more like yeah genuine and authentic in interactions with the kids like she just tells it like it is whereas like she's yeah. trying to like hide the stupid thing that she did from Maxwell or you know she's not trying to hide anything from the kids and I think that that tends to show in like the writing that they do with interacting with them yeah for sure um I watched this show so much that I think I eventually believed and maybe still do a little bit actually that I would one day work as a supporting role for a very wealthy and handsome man who would see how delightful and brilliant I am and immediately fall in love sweep me off my feet and all would be right because apparently when you're in the millennial generation, that's the messaging that we got in a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> in this scenario, though, I would be like a house sitter because it, housing California is a financial stressor. So he hires me to live in his house. So that way it's not unattended and people don't come in and squat, but I'm paid rather than paying to live there. I know it doesn't make sense, but it's just in a oh, family. Great, though. It's yeah. still, it sounds lovely. In the best neighborhood, it's got a pool, like all the things that you want house staff not that I want house staff but I definitely hate doing things certain things like myself like I forget to eat all the time (laughs) my kid doesn't come out looking for food I'm not eating (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah just or like just the I'll think about food and I'm like and then I have to make it yeah I didn't realize I think my grandmother set me up for failure and I love her so much god rest her soul she would cut our fruit Oh, and so I loved cut fruit. I love cut fruit. I fucking love fruit. Mm-hmm. The effort to go into cutting fruit, man, I wish that woman was still alive. So I'd be like, grandma, thank you so much for spending four hours so I could have a bowl of fruit. We are still trying like, we're going to buy a bunch of fruits and vegetables and we're going to cut them all up on Sundays. We're going to have boxes of, you know, containers of fruits and vegetables, just ready to snack on through the week. We have done it once. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so hard. hard work. Is I can't yeah. hang. I can't hang. I need my grandma to cut up my pineapple. <laughs> She's dead. It's fine. This took a weird turn. Talking about grandmas, we forgot about Grandma Yetta. Oh my god! How did we forget about Grandma Yetta? I don't know. She's in the running for my also favorite. <laughs> she was the best. She was amazing until oh. Violet Crawley. I was like, this is the kind of grandma I want to be. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm for sure. I'm like, I've already got my like 
sequined tracksuit yes in my head it's yes mm-hmm. the wig the, the big permed wig oh mm-hmm. i'm probably gonna be here for halloween at some point omg i love that but it's gonna happen she was a great character mm-hmm. love her because even though again they play into you know caricatures for some of the characters they still handle them with care and love yes which is just so nice to see mm-hmm. like fran is still devoted to her family like yeah, not just the family she cares for but her parents and her which do we ever see her dad we did in like the last episode of the entire show oh that's smart yeah it was i loved how they he was just like off in the other room he was he was a toupee getting like thrown (laughs) off to the side of the camera yeah Yeah. yes sometimes he was a voice maybe yeah that was a fun element to the show too because he's still a little bit of a mystery Mm -hmm. i forgot they revealed him in the final i'll have to go back and watch it yeah i i only know because i was watching the show like two days ago and yeah. it happened to be like at the end of at the end of the series and it's like oh yeah he comes in at the end i love that they're like let's just give the people what they want the series is ending yes friends the nanny is currently on hbo max you can view it if you have a subscription kelly thank you so much for being here today can you tell everyone where they can find you if they want to keep up with you online Yes, you can find me mostly on Instagram. Yeah. I'm at pleasantcreative.co. I am also on my own website at pleasantcreative.co. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep things simple around here. I'm also on TikTok, but I hardly ever post there. That might change, but it's yeah. also pleasantcreative.co. <laughs> nice. We'll link to everything in the show notes so everyone can have easy access to you. And really, honestly, friends, like, even if you're not interested in branding and design, it's still a fun follow because Kelly talks a lot about storytelling. Um, and she does a lot of creative stuff. I ordered golden girls tickets from her, not tickets. Oh my God. God, I wish I had, I wish I had that kind of pull. I know. Right. Golden girls stickers. And I wouldn't have known about them unless I was following her on the internet. And they are adorable. I'm currently battling. I want them on my computer, but also I don't want the, I don't like stuff on my computer. (laughs) So I'm having this moment. We'll see what wins. Yes. I have like a collection of like three to five stickers at all times, like trying to decide where they go. Yeah. It's so hard. You'd think that as a grown up, it'd be easier as you get older. No, it's not Mm -mm. still hoarding them. If anything, everything just gets harder. (laughs) That's the truth. That's why Fran stayed 29. It's yes. hard to get older. You know what? On my next birthday, I'm turning 29. I wonder if people would buy it if I said I was 29. That would be a fun experiment. Do it. I wonder how old. I should do like a man on the street thing and walk up to people and be like, how old do you think I am? Yes. Do it. I, love I would be, people would get freaked the fuck out. <laughs> I <laughs> hate it when people are talking about Val on Working Moms. The whole she was. <gasps> that was really hard to take. God, it was. I think it was intentionally like painful. Uh-huh. I think they did. That. I think they did it on purpose, and I'm uh-huh. not okay with it. <laughs> Agreed. I but, didn't realize that they are married. Like 
her and Nathan are actually in real life. Yes. They're married in real life. Oh my. They both produced the show. And he's okay with playing a garbage human? Apparently. I mean, maybe it's fun for him. I don't, I don't, yeah, but they're married. I was, I was trying to find, like, we finished season six last night and I was trying to find out, like, they're doing season seven, right? They better with the way that fucking ended. Oh God, I'm so mad. I looked at Ryan and I was like, how dare they? That's Uh not okay. That's not okay. And I know I say this a lot in my life and people make fun of me for it. My mother is an actual therapist. So like when the daughter was doing what she was doing, it was like, okay, you, you, you didn't, in my mind, it was like, cause my mom made it very clear the power of her role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, what did you explain to your children that you do? And she's a psychiatrist. So it's different, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of power wielded in that. Yeah because she can prescribe medication. So I don't know. It was just like, I, that whole dynamic, Alice and, um, Annie and, yeah. And they'd be real mad this season. She's like, what are you doing? I've loved Anne from the beginning. Yeah. She was my favorite. Angry. Be angry. I Mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. And this season was like, because you know what, this whole season stressed me out and made me really, because the whole kid thing, like, and how passive Kate was in um, it just the first two seasons were gold oh yeah and then ever since then there's just things where I'm just like am I expected are we getting gonna get dumber the older we get because I'm very confused as to why you're letting your husband walk all over you like this yeah like he's never there like what and then it's like you need to ask for help Kate Nathan she literally has asked you for help in every episode and you don't do shit Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you haven't watched season six of Working Mom, sorry for ruining it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but you should know by now if you're a regular, this is not a spoiler-free show. <laughs> this no. is a spoiler-filled show. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. But still watch it because it's good. <laughs> it is good. It may it brings up it brought for me a lot of emotions and a lot of things where I'm like, do I need to explore my thoughts and what I believe in this scenario the answer is always yes (laughs) Yes. oh my gosh Kelly I'm so glad you were here this I was looking forward to this well all day but like for also like the last two weeks I know we've been planning and plotting and it makes me happy pop culture makes me jealous is written edited and produced by me Julia Washington and I am fueled by the incredible support system of women who allow me to run ideas cry melt down whenever I feel overwhelmed I also want to do a big shout out to our patreon community thank you for your continued support it brings me the greatest joy to bring you quality content and our regular get-togethers. I love seeing everybody in the DMs. I love seeing you all in our virtual meetups. I have to also do a big shout out because Kelly was our first Patreon pal. So big shout out to her. And what better way to support our Patreon community than by supporting our members. So you should definitely follow Kelly. The content is worth it. No pressure, Kelly. But it really is. I actually took some of your reels and I was like, when I say we need to be thinking outside of the box about our story, this is what I'm talking about. Thank you. Friends, as always, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, and we'll see you in the DMs on Instagram. (laughs) 